Welcome to our second series of Blazing Business Trails. My name is Sarah Paul and we'll be discussing the challenges and issues for leaders in professional, legal, real estate, recruitment and educational services. And my name is Corvinda Hari. Each week we'll invite industry experts, analysts and people from the business services sector onto our podcast to get their insights, perspectives and learnings. Cully, this week we spoke to three brilliant guests about Empowered Employee. We were joined by Colin Morley, Director of Enterprise Technology Practice at Hayes, Lee Welsh, Business Director at Hayes, and also Edward Wall, Senior Area Vice President at Salesforce. What would you say that were the highlights for you? Three things come to the top of mind for me. One was organisations are having to rethink their onboarding structure uh, and their own ways of getting their, their employees through that first ramp period. As you and I both know, we it was a different onboarding experience for us at Salesforce. Yes. Secondly, employee well-being. How do you how do you give them that space to to live their lives and get the most out of them? And that goes into the next the third point really is getting the maximum out of them based on what works for them as an individual. You know, when 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 will they perform at their best? And understanding that at an individual level and, and really driving that home. So they're the three things. Yeah, and this doesn't just affect recruitment; it affects all organisations and especially in business services. Here's our conversation now with Colin, Lee, and Ed. So, Colin Lee, it's been an interesting twelve months, hasn't it? I mean, we've seen lots of change over the last. 12 months with the pandemic changing the shift in the way employees and businesses work together. But what are you seeing as the real trend change from a a recruitment perspective and specifically from Hayes in the industry today? So how are employees and businesses looking at their engagement model now? Yeah, obviously it has been a significant uh, change this year and change in actually working practices, not just specific to recruitment, but I think across all industries. I think the working from home, uh, that's definitely been proved as as a you know working practice now in that you know, we've got people that have been forced to work from home rather than having it as a business business choice. So yeah, it's definitely been a year of change and in that year, change for Lee and I, because we both started at Hayes um during lockdown. So we've been onboarded during lockdown. We've not met each other. We've actually not met most of the people that we work with within our organization. So having to do that remotely has provoked some some challenges but with every challenge you, know, you need to look at a solution so Hayes are very forward thinking and you know we've put a lot of you know, people process and systems behind it to make it as easy as we possibly can I think you're definitely right the employer employee relationship has changed for good so Cully and I are exactly the same boat Colin actually um, we joined through lockdown we haven't met any of our colleagues physically face to face and um, I'm looking forward to when that does actually happen. But how how do employees make themselves a bit more attractive to to attract top talent these days? I, mean, I think a number of ways. I mean, Lee and I discussed this when we were interviewing him. You think that back in the day, people were going to be attractive to things where you had a good work life balance. You know, the actual place of work would be you know, a really great environment. But I think gone are the days where people are looking for bean bags and uh, you know, table football and that sort of thing. People now, I think, are looking for certainty. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I joined Hayes is that they've got an identity. They know where they're going. Um, they've got a key strategic plan which they've invested in, and they put that back through 
you know, the business review loop even throughout COVID and it's, it still stands up. So certainty is something which I think as an employee, you know, that's one of the big reasons that I joined Hayes. I have to agree with that. I uh, obviously joined at a similar time to Colin and all of the drivers that, well, most of the drivers that we would look at when changing roles in, in the past and also briefs that we took from clients when trying to source candidates the first thing we would ask is, what are the offices like? Can I come down and see them? Because that would help me sell that to a, can- a potential candidate joining that business. Obviously, that dynamic has changed and it used to be free fruit in the office and whatever else. We're now looking and the biggest driver for me was having that flexibility. I've got you know two young children. Um, you know, I've got a family and and I don't really want to be you know, surrounding myself with potential COVID and all of the stuff that's that's out there. So I think uh, businesses have had to adapt. And luckily, a year in, we're starting to see how that's changed and, and a bit more normality. Sure. We'll come back to the, the, the normality point now. Secondly, just want to bring Ed in here. Ed, from, from an employer side, what have you had to think about as you've been looking at CVs that have come past your, your desk, particularly as you're ramping up your team and, and expanding? How, how, how have you changed your focus and what are you looking for? That's a, it's a really good question, Cully. I think in terms of how we've evolved uh, as a business, and I think this is probably more, more of a challenge for us this year because we don't have the office environment, but as we look to specialize into industries, which is one of the kind of key strategic objectives for the UK, uh, I think we're very much in terms of, we, we would like people with a background or an expertise in those particular industries. Uh, because I think in terms of the technology piece, how to work with technology, how to help our customers with the technology that we have, we have the tools within Salesforce to help them to do that. I think in terms of the industry piece and bringing that out kind of outside in expertise that we don't have internally, I think that's been more of a focus in terms of how we're looking at our candidates this year. Um, so I think that that's one of the, the, the big things. And also then, you know, I, I think in terms of the interview process, as we look at them, how adept they are kind of operating through Zoom, Hangout, whatever that the kind of technology is, because that's how they're going to be interacting probably for the the next 12 months to 18 months. Anyway, and by and large, that's, that's how they're going to be dealing with customers. So how they carry themselves on that medium is really, really important for us to ascertain. Be interesting to pick that point up with um, Lee and Colin. Um, as you're seeing candidates come through, the importance of tech in that, visual representation that you now have on a zoom or a meet or whichever platform you're coming in on becomes even more paramount now right so you know that that whole feeling of walking into an office and being taken to the interview room the nerves are you still seeing people getting nervous on a on a on a video call you know are they still presenting themselves in the same way or are they having to had to yeah I mean, it's, it's- it is difficult when you're presenting to potentially a panel of panel of people, either via Zoom, Teams, Google Hangout, because you can't actually see the facial reactions, you know, how people react back to you. Um, and you know, that's something that you would normally feed off in interview, which is dialogue. Um, and you get people talking over each other and these sorts of things. So people are having to adjust. 
um, and you get you get disturbed. Uh, you know, I'm expecting at any minute now for my teenage daughters to come in here and start complaining about the Wi-Fi not working. So, and yeah, that's that that's the way of the world now, and we have to be accepting of that rather than thinking, oh, that's unprofessional. It's just unfortunately, you know, people have lives, and unfortunately, COVID has made us you know, now bring our offices into our own homes and you might have people camping out on kitchen tables or hiding in their bedrooms, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it, it is difficult, that actual interview process and people need to be forgiving through that. And the move to digital, obviously, for this year, I mean, I'm on the marketing side. We've had to seriously move everything to digital. How do employer brands stand out? How Have you got any advice for some... Uh, companies on how they can stand out amongst the others in their industries? Yeah, I think if you're looking at the talent acquisition piece and how you make yourself stand out to others, you need to paint a picture of the opportunity and where the organisation is going. You know, COVID, unfortunately, there's a lot of businesses which are just about trying to keep their heads above the water. Um, And I think I mentioned it earlier, the certainty of going to an organisation that knows the direction they're travelling in uh, and yeah, they've got spaces on you for people coming on to join that journey. So definitely articulating yeah, your business proposition, you know, paint a picture of what the future can look like and then the certainty that you can provide for those individuals with, within the organisation. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. And Ed, how did your sales team find it when you went into lockdown and did they have to try and find new ways of collaborating uh were they quite siloed or was there a good connection with other members of the organization yeah i think it's typically we take in cohorts of people every month into salesforce we're continually hiring as we expand but i I think it's obviously more challenging this this year in terms of building that human connection uh for our our new hires i think there's been a few positives in terms of going completely digital to be honest in terms of uh, how we've recruited one it's easier to get people to attend all the people that you want to attend a particular meeting because it's easier to manage in terms of diary time uh you know you don't have those typical logistic challenges of what meeting room does it have av set up that works far far better i have to say from a, an employee or in a, in a recruiting process uh, at the moment um, we've just gone through a huge exercise that we go through every year, which is called Go for Growth, where basically we, we do a huge exercise of paneling internal candidates for the next FY. Uh, and, and that worked better than I've ever seen in my 16 years. And I think that's largely because we did everything virtually. Uh, we did everything through Zoom and we had none of those kind of logistical challenges that we we typically have uh, and even that's down in terms of feedback, the whole thing, because the expectation is we're going to do it virtually. And I think that is something that we may keep permanently uh, as a as a virtual process. Now that's going to be different for external candidates, uh, and as as we as we onboard. But um, back back to Colin's point as well, uh, how we're we're trying to attract in talent. I think is is. It, you know, purpose, the purpose of the organization as in direction, really, really important. I think that's something that Salesforce does really, really well uh, in terms of it. It's not just about a bottom line, but it's a, it's a purpose greater than the business itself. It's about business giving back. And I think that's really, really attractive 
to to candidates and that that it's that culture piece that culture of empathy it's really really important to 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 do that and continue that sure I'm going to come back to that culture piece in, in a second, Ed. I think that's important that we maybe just peel the onion a little bit more on that. But Lee, I think you know IT companies like Salesforce and, and, and um, other IT companies have pivoted easily to digital. I'm sure Hayes have pivoted easily to digital home working. But are there specific industries that have not transitioned as quick enough, therefore their recruitment process is now being, being impacted? I, I think... Retail has has definitely suffered in the more traditional bricks and mortar arena. If we look at, I've been recruiting retail for the past eight years, and it's been the same case even within digital years ago before the pandemic. That the online e-commerce forward thinking, you know, pure play giants were always on the front foot, and the bricks and mortar was always lagging behind. Um, we we looked at. Um, Halfords, as an example, when the pandemic hit, they immediately went on the front foot. Uh, they only had to close down four stores, I think, nationally because they'd moved to a click and collect really, really quickly, stopped anyone coming in the stores. And then that that whole um, concern from the customer of going into stores or not being able to get what they need and have the stores closed wasn't there. So I think retail is quite po- polarized at the moment. So if you're thinking about industries, you're there's retail companies that are either doing really, really well or some that are just trying to survive. Yeah, I mean, even NRF, their massive show that they run for retail uh, in New York this year is all, all had to go digital. And that must have been a real big you know, shock to their system. Last year it, was, it ran, but uh, this year it must have been quite hard to, to get sponsors. And... and then you've also got the not-for-profit side of things who obviously of, of taking a hit just naturally with the pandemic but with it not being uh you know traditionally as forward thinking as some of the other tech giants um they're just playing catch up a little bit and i think certainly from the south i'm seeing a lot more not-for-profit companies invest in the likes of salesforce to just give it, give them that customer view that they, they might need yeah let's bring colin here colin i just want to pick up on a point ed made about culture how do you solve sell a company's culture now i mean people aren't experiencing that in the same way they were 12 18 months ago right where you could get involved in activities whether they were in the office or they were co-located in a particular region that that cultural aspect of being part of an organization getting rolling your sleeves up getting involved in volunteering activity that just doesn't that same thing just isn't there at the, this moment in time so how, how are you selling that or how are companies selling that piece of their they're kind of their culture. You're right. Trying to sort of create a sense of attachment and belonging is difficult when you, you're remote. Um, you know, Lee and I were talking the other day that we spend all of our time literally speaking about work. You go from one meeting to another meeting. We don't actually have those interactions where you're sort of having a coffee or, you know, lunch, whatever it is, and you're finding out about, you know, Lee's home life, mine and mine and the rest of the team. So it, it is it is difficult, but there's different ways of doing it. Um, you know, I think... You know, we are now digitally connected. So we're looking at health and fitness, particularly within our team. Um, and in January, you know, looking at getting out there and you know, making sure we either walk in or doing some sort of fitness. And then that gives us something to share when we're talking about in in, in our meetings. Now, we are a startup business within within the PLC. Um, and you know, we're looking to you know, see if we can you know, bring new ideas and things things to the fore. So, yeah culture is something that 
yeah, obviously eat strategy for breakfast as, as, as they, as they say, and it's very, very important to me because yeah, I need to basically like getting up every day and coming to work and do what I do, but I need to like the people that I'm, I'm working with. Um, and I think from us from August, you know, as a startup team, we've definitely, we've definitely stood that up quite, quite well. Um, but it's important for people to take time to actually think about, yeah, you are on the end of a, um, yeah, a piece of internet wire the whole, the whole time, but we are still people and we need to interact like people, not constantly keep going on about businesses. So we're putting in a you know project that's not looking at just where, professionally we can get to i mean i'll sing lee's praises here i wanted everyone to go through their trailheads and you know eventually become rangers lee started and he became a salesforce ranger within nine weeks which is amazing right now everyone else is lagging behind within that which he constantly reminds us in every on every call um but you know that's again something which creates you know a sense of belonging attachment within our team which we're heading heading towards Nine weeks to become a ranger. That is impressive, Lee, I have to say. So took, took me four months, so Lee, congratulations yeah. on getting well, to ranger status. You can tell me it's impressive weeks. when uh, I sit my admin exam next week. We'll see what the uh, what the <laughs> result is of that. <laughs> Colin, that was that was really important talking about, you know, the health and fitness and you know, we did something just before Christmas using Strava as a team. We we did a whole load of, you know, bike riding and running and all sorts and there was a competition. Ed, you know, as as Sarah said, I joined during the pandemic, um, and I was impressed with Salesforce's approach to well-being and connecting with its employees. You've been here a lot longer than I have. What was the impact that you felt as an employee, as a manager, of people on the whole well-being that was being delivered by Salesforce from markdown? Yeah, so I, I think uh, a couple of things happened. I think uh, immediately we had communication from the top at the beginning to say we're going to run these kind of weekly execs all hands with you know 50,000 people on them so you, you feel that you've communication uh from the top on a direct line as into what's what's going to happen and that I think Colin referenced it that and Lee that assurance that we're we're still in a business with direction and purpose and you know they couldn't communicate enough how you know, the number one thing that they need to look after is employees and, and customers. And if if we look after employees, they in turn will look after our customers really, really well. So you, you, those two things go hand in hand. So I think the communication was really, really strong. And then also I think they were quite conscious maybe after week six that it kind of became apparent that this wasn't going to end quickly or it wasn't going to end over the summer. This is going to be, this pandemic is going to be long-term to make sure we're conscious of people's home lives, all the things that Collins referenced and that managers are empowered to give people time and time off and flexible working and all those kind of things. And that, uh, you know, that this is different and how we work is going to be different as well. And I think that all that, that, it's coming both from the top and on a manager level and it was kind of enforced and, and kind of spoken about right the way through in terms of strong culture. I think employees feel that trust then uh, as well, you know, and that, that transmits its way, its way down. Cause it's a fine line between we, we've got your back, but, uh, and, you know, work at home to we're monitoring what you're doing. 
uh, as well. But I think tr- trust in any business is, is one of the, the key pillars. Thank you, Ed. On For, for trust uh, between employees and employers is going to be key to any development in, in their relationship, isn't it? So, Lee, how, how can trust be further developed? Well, I think when we first entered into the pandemic, it became a, oh, how do I know if my staff are going to be working from home, if they're still going to be, you know, working or sitting at home watching Lorraine Kelly in, you know, at 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I think there was a real um, question mark with a lot of businesses that certainly I was working with and I was a part of. Then that trust developed into, oh, actually, you know, we're still producing results. Business is tough, but it feels like the team are working even harder because there was a point to prove. There was a, I need to keep my job whilst loads of people around me are losing it. So I'm going to work even harder than I usually was. So it, it, it kind of it peaked and then started to drop off again as the Zoom fatigue and burnout and everything started, come in, started to come in. I think to keep that trust, as Ed has just said, there has to be buy-in from both sides. There has to be a shared objective and a journey that you're going on. But I think most importantly with how the world has, has evolved and everything that's going on at the moment, there needs to be that security. And if we look at the contract market, for example, I would advise businesses to extend their contractors a bit earlier than they normally would or communicate that extension on the perm side of things, just communicate that they're doing a good job a little bit more than they usually would because they haven't got the opportunity to do it in the office. But also, if anything comes along that looks a little bit more secure than what they've got at the moment with friends and family and you know what you the horror stories you hear on LinkedIn, that needs to be communicated and uh, they need to develop that trust in that way. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Colin, um, will lack of trust in employers produce a lot of churn in the market? I think, yeah, as we come out of COVID, I and mean, if you think with COVID and Brexit, you know, potentially if we are looking at the spring and beyond for both abating, and you know, getting back to some semblance of normality, you know, if people haven't been treated well over the COVID period, you know, I think that's when we will start seeing the merry-go-round when people are looking to come out, you know, look to be strong, gain market share, uh, and really, you know, invest in the talent that they're searching for. Yeah, that's when I'm, we are going to see uh, yeah, the merry-go-round start and a lot of people looking looking to move move jobs. I think people will have quite long corporate memories. Um, you know, if you've not been treated well by a brand, no matter you know, how strong that brand is, you know, with the people within that organisation, that's definitely going to be something which uh, you know, people will use and vote vote with their feet. Something that's um, popped up today, actually, I mean, I've, I've just signed up to a mentor programme called Fast Futures. I think, Ed, you have as well uh, signed up for that as well. It's, it's mentoring 18 to 22-year-olds on how to apply for jobs, support them with CV creation and their interview process. How, um, Lee, how do you think going forwards mentoring will out, mentoring people outside of companies, their company structure, uh, will take place going forward to help those that may have been laid off during COVID or those that are um, starting and just left university or school? How do you think mentoring programmes will pick up more and more in within companies like, like Salesforce, like Hayes, for example? I think so. I, I think certainly with more of it being done digitally. So logistically, it's not as difficult to go and meet someone and sit down and have an hour's chat about 
you know, how to rewrite their CV or go and find a job. We've seen that even in recruitment as recruiters, there's always an element of mentoring that we have to do with our candidates to put them in the best position to find a new job. Um, it's just that the, the medium that we do that on has now changed, which frees up some of the time to do more of them. So I think we'll see more mentoring just just logic, logistically it's easier. Um, but from a, would it benefit the the person that's doing the mentoring? Absolutely. They're, we're building relationships. And if we look at anything that's come out of this pandemic, it's that your relationships take you a long way. So the more people that you can be kind to and help and assist, it, it comes back around. It really, really does. Colin, I think, you know, if you look at lots of companies, they go into that young market to find new talent straight out of university or straight out of college. Is that going to change, do you think? Are they still going to go to that resource pool to pull talent or are we going to see organisations stop and take stock of that that investment in talent that they would normally have done by default and just defer that maybe for 12 or 18 months? No, I, I, th- I still think you know, there's uh, a talent shortage within, within the UK, particularly within tech, and I think we need to attract youngsters into it. Yeah, Hayes, we're running a program with uh, Young Enterprise. Um, that doesn't just extend into schools; that goes into um, yeah universities somewhat as well. Um, we also ran a, uh, a sort of almost like a Dragon's Den campaign in the day, and the organisation that won that was basically looking at reskilling homeless people and stuff like that. So I think you know we need to basically train our own better. Um, we're looking at, well, we are setting up a train and deploy model and that's going to be coming out in the the next couple of months at at Hayes. Yeah, it's starting within Salesforce, but that's something which is functionally agnostic that we can roll out right across, um, right across the Hayes Hayes group. But, you know, whether it is reskilling, because I think that's another thing with, um, you know, Brexit, looking at reskilling or actually entrant level people, you know, training them from scratch yeah that is going to be a bigger part of our future than it than it is now um and that's what we need to basically remain competitive on the world stage that's interesting because that came up in a conversation i was having earlier about you know those people that are taking career breaks and how do you tap into that that ecosystem of people that have not worked for the last five or ten years and want to come back and build a new career how do you how do you reskill them how do you get them you know tech savvy etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a whole pool like you say Colin of people out there who want to come back and do something but are unsure as to what it is they want to do but I suppose in, you know, interesting to you a couple of the conversations which you've actually had today are people who are looking to reskill uh, their internal IT staff you know they've pivoted their tech stack and now they're looking at Salesforce so we're looking with a couple of organizations at retraining you know, Java developers into being Salesforce developers and how do we do that? Um, so supported learning, you know, trailheads, but also your virtual boot camps augmented by trainers that we'll provide. I think we've got time for one last question. Over to you, Lee. What advice would you give businesses in terms of recruitment going forward? Uh, I think they need to be quick. I think there is a bit of a misconception at the moment that there's loads of people on the market. Sorry, Lee, when you say quick, is that because the process has been taking so long previously that they need to turn that round into days rather than weeks and months? 100%. And I I also think that there is a belief that because there's candidates on the market or people are being made redundant or whatever, that they can drag their heels a little bit or maybe, you know, 
push the salary down, push the day rate down. Um, and they seem to be uh, the businesses that that struggle to attract the top talent because they're just losing out to other businesses that are working that little bit quicker. So I think process has to be quick. Um, I think there's also an element of businesses where they have had to adapt their onboarding process, their interview process. This is all still in a trial phase. You know, no business, from what I've seen, really understands exactly what start to finish of you know, putting an advert out to having the person start on Monday really looks like just yet because it's all moved digital. We're not getting you know, interview rooms booked in and the, the, um, yeah, the, dip, the hiring managers have changed. Who needs to be involved? Who can assess technology in a different way virtually rather than just you know, the softer skills in a room? So last last question then for Colin, uh, and then we'll we'll call it a wrap on this one. Colin, if you know, to summarise, what would you say to businesses today as they are entering twenty twenty one? You know, the the vaccine is not far away. People are thinking about level of normality. What does normality look like in that you know recruitment phase and then subsequent onboarding phase? Okay, I mean, I think for the next twelve you know, prior months. to um, COVID, you know, work was moving to something where. It's something that you do rather than the place that you go. And I think that's going to continue in the post-COVID world. It's just sort of been accelerated. So from a recruitment point of view, um, you know, purpose, you know, speed to get to the best, the best talent. But recruitment isn't the only way to create talent. You know, also look at some of the reskilling. I suppose that that could be something that we look, look, definitely look at as well. Uh so yeah, they would be my sort of three things. Um, purpose, yeah, be quick when you are hiring talent, be decisive, but also look at reskilling as an option as well. Thank you so much for today, um, Colin, Lee and Ed. Cully, wow, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, great session. Love talking to Colin, Lee and Ed. I think there's something in it for all organisations, especially business services. My name is Sarah Paul. I'm Corbin Dahari. This is Blazing Business Trails. Join us next time for our business services podcast brought to you by Salesforce.